Morning all. How are you doing? Any good? Yeah. The faithfulness of God. He's wonderful. Reading from John 20, um, verses 19. Um, I think on the screens I've only given them to 29, but uh, I'm going on to 31. So, two verses. John 20, 19 to 31. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We've seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in the hands the print of the nails, and put my fingers into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Let's go and reach your hand here. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> Do we <would> come to? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, where was I? Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Yeah. Can I just say, Andre and Claire, you are doing a wonderful job in bringing up a child that just shines for Jesus. Love it. Love it. Bless you guys. You know, there's a story about a Muslim who became a Christian. And I suppose, understandably, his family were against it. So they remonstrated against him. They wanted to know why. And he said this to them. This was his reply. If I went on a journey and came to a fork in the road, and there were two people to ask, a dead man and a living man, who would you expect me to ask? The man who is living or the one who is dead? We have amazing news. Do you know? Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. He is reigning in glory. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. 
He is the president over every president. And as John reveals in Revelation, he is the one like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His head and his hair are white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes are like blazing fire. And his face is like the shining sun in all its brilliance. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. He's awesome in power. He's overwhelming in might. He's unconditional in his love for you and me. In him and through him, all things were created and are created. Out of love, he laid down his life in majesty. He came to earth to live, to die, and to rise again, and to offer salvation to all who believe. He supernaturally appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, to the disciples in the upper room, to those by the Sea of Galilee. He appeared up a high mountain. He appeared in Jerusalem. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, brethren at one time. That must have been some conference to go to. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he continues to reveal himself to you and me by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is alive. Are you excited? Do you know that? He really is alive. And we see here in this passage, the disciples, understandably, were excited by it. We're told that they were glad. Now, an English word, glad, I'm glad. <laughs> Are you glad that you're in church today? <laughs> it kind of doesn't have the same connotation. Cairo in the Greek, it means rejoicing. It means overflowing with joy. Their lives were changed forever. And I think God loves it. The Heavenly Dad loves it. When we get excited by his presence, when we get excited to come together to worship him, to know that Jesus is alive, we're not just talking about a myth or something that happened in history. We're not talking about a dead man, we're talking about a living man who's with us day by day. He loves it when we get excited. He loves it when we receive that good news for ourselves. He loves it when our hearts burn within us for this truth and reality that Jesus is alive. You know, there was a biblical scholar, Rudolf Bultmann, who wrote this about the Easter story. As a miracle is a concession to the weakness of man, so is the appearance of the risen Jesus a concession to the weakness of the disciples. The Easter stories can claim only relative worth. Hum. Hum. I wonder what happened on his deathbed when he encountered Jesus. You see, only someone who has not seen Jesus can write words like that. Only someone who's not encountered his presence, not allowed the Holy Spirit into his life that's burning within them, can write, sorry, such rubbish and untruth. Jesus is alive. And this was part of Thomas's problem. For eight days, and that's quite a long time. You see, the other disciples had seen Jesus. And you can just imagine them telling him the excitement and wondering what his response. They were bursting with joy. He wasn't. He hadn't seen Jesus when he first cared to them. And he was caught up in this hard-headed skepticism that said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. And before we judge Thomas, you know, we do that at times. 
You know, unless God brings this miracle, I'm going to doubt him. Unless he changes this circumstance in my life, I wonder whether actually it's worthy of all my praise and worship. Unless this situation changes, I'm not going to walk the path of faith. I'm going to moan and grumble and, and stop. And the thing about it, there's always good reason to choose this path of doubt. I mean, Thomas saw Jesus hanging on the cross. He saw his life literally drain away in the most excruciating agony. He was with him all those years and his head and his heart just could not reconcile together. Why would God allow such devastation to happen to our lives? There's always good reason to doubt. You know, wonder what's going on for the Christians in Ukraine, really. Or everybody. I mean, the brutality of the evil. God, where are you? You could wipe out Putin like that. You could wipe out the arms. We've seen it in Scripture. You could do that. Why are you not doing it? There's good reason for us to question, to doubt. But you see, for Thomas, everything changed when he encountered Jesus, verse 26. When Jesus said to him, peace to you. And he actually said to Thomas, reach your fingers here and look at my hands. In other words, you know, look at where the nails went in. Reach your hand and put it in the side. Look where the spear went in. And tradition has it that along with the other disciples, Jesus touched his hands and he touched the side. I think we all would have done that, wouldn't we? We would have drawn near with that kind of trepidation and awe and just reached forward. And as he touched Jesus, he said, my Lord and my God. You see, these words don't just recognize the truth of the resurrection. Jesus really did rise from the dead. They don't just if you like, emphasize the reality. He is the Son of God. He is alive. He is the King of Kings. But for Thomas, as he stepped forward, it was like this acknowledgement that he belonged to Jesus. With all his failings, with everything that he'd messed up, and most recently, the questions, the doubts, he was able to say, because he knew he belonged to Jesus, my Lord and my God. See, this is the wonderful gospel message we can say as we come to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus is alive. And John goes on, this is why I just continued those two verses with the wonderful truth to declare, so that people may believe he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, we may have life in his name. Life in his name. And I just want to finish with this phrase. Life in his name. What does life in the name of Jesus mean for us? And as we pick out different things from this passage, what does it mean? Well, the first thing I think it means is peace. Verses 19 and 21. I don't know whether you've kind of considered this or not. Jesus' physical body walked through the physical walls 
to appear to the disciples. He was not a ghost. He was not some floaty ghost spectrum thing that just suddenly appeared and went, woo! His physical body could go through that wall if he chose to and chooses to. That wall there is paper thin compared to the reality of his resurrected body that is so full and so complete, so physical, so supernatural, that nothing is an obstacle to Jesus appearing to the disciples. I can't understand that. You know, when I try walking through that wall, it hurts. Not recommended. Don't try this at home. You ever try it? You're saying, go on, give it a go. We trust you, Phil. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Have faith, yeah. yeah. He did that. His rock-solid, heavenly-raised body went through walls. And his words were, peace to you. And he said it twice, peace to you. You see, he knew there would have been anger and disappointment and frustration and confusion and uncertainty and fear and shame and loneliness and broken friendships. You imagine the disciples together, how they must have argued with one another, bickered and, you know, just pointed the finger and then took all the guilt and shame upon themselves. How they felt abandoned by Jesus. And the point is, there was no peace in that room prior to Jesus arriving. It was absent. See, life in Jesus' name is like this banner over us. It means peace that calms the fiercest storm. It means light that lights up the darkness. It's a peace that walks through locked doors. No wall that we can present is strong enough or hard enough for his peace to enter. It enables a person to say, and how I imagine millions of people are saying this right now in Ukraine, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Do we know his peace? Life in his name means peace. It also means calling. So as Jesus says, just as he was sent from the Father, so he sends us. You know, statisticians, it's quite hard to show you that, statisticians who look at statistics uh, and church statistics, um, one of the, <laughs> the reason I'm kind of doing that, because up the road when I was preaching, I just couldn't get it out. <laughs> so I thought if I kind of did my grommet mouth appearance, it might help. Statisticians who look at church statistics, <laughs> um, <laughs> Move on, move on. They say one of the main reasons for church decline is when the church becomes inward focused. When we just look at ourselves. We don't have that outward focus. We don't take on the calling that God has for our lives. And it's interesting we look at the Gospels when he called the disciples. He called them first to Jerusalem and to Judea. In other words, where you are, folks, I'm calling you. The people that are around you, I'm calling you. Your neighbors, your friends. Those you like, those you don't like, the people you work with, the people you encounter in the shops, I'm sending you to them. 
See, that is our focus. That's the mission. And with his peace within us, life in his name means we've got to go. We can't stay standing. So the disciples, when they appeared, when Jesus appeared to them, that was not, if you like, the beginning of the end. That was the beginning. That was the beginning of life for them in his name. Do we know he's calling on our lives? I just want to encourage us afresh. As we take on board, Jesus is alive. He is alive in you. Think of the people he's called you to. The people, the names, those that he's called you to love, to support, to encourage, to point to Jesus and just say, look, there is life in his name. It means peace. It means calling. It also means forgiveness. Life in Jesus' name means forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross so that each and every one of us could be forgiven. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing and how the disciples need to know the forgiveness of God. How they must have been tied up in their own guilt, shame, blame, accusations against God. Just think of Peter, for example. How could I betray Jesus? I was with him three years. What's wrong with me? How could I do that? The disciples, how could we run away from Jesus in the garden? Just leave him as if it just didn't matter. Judas, how, how could Judas betray us? We were with him for three years. How did we not see what he was up to? The way that he took money out of the money pot. And maybe worst of all for them, God, how could you let us down in the way that you let us down? They needed to know the forgiveness of God. We need to know his forgiveness day by day for the big and the small. But Jesus also showed them very quickly that as they were to receive forgiveness themselves, so they've got to release it. They've got to release it. And again, think of the people they had to forgive. Judas, Pilate, Herod, the Roman soldiers, the religious leaders. See, there was no place for unforgiveness if they were going to carry out their calling and do the work that God had called them to. They couldn't harbor you know, unforgiveness in their hearts towards the authorities if they were going to fulfill that great commission in Matthew 20, 28. There's no place for unforgiveness in our hearts. We have got to be those who forgive. Forgive ourselves, forgive others. If you're harboring unforgiveness, there'll be a moment when we can deal with it. Just do not let it be that hook in your back that pulls you every time you think of that person or that situation because that is what unforgiveness does. And it breeds bitterness. And it's just like a rotten apple in a barrel of good ones. And in the name of Jesus and by his power, he gives us the power to cut it off. As we say, and it's not condoning anything that someone's done or anything like that, but as we say, I forgive you. I release you. And that is what Jesus is saying. As we receive his forgiveness, we have to release others. Life in his name means peace, calling, forgiveness. Two more, blessing. I love the way that Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, that's a beatitude. That's like the beatitudes that we read in Matthew 5. Jesus says, blessed are the poor of spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the pure of heart, they will see God. Blessed are those who have not seen, 
for they have uh, and have yet believed. Blessing comes to us who were not there at the time, and yet we put our faith in Jesus. And how we need to know the blessing of God in our lives. As Jesus says in Matthew 7, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask? You know, God loves to bless. He loves to bless us in every way. And life in his name means blessing. And just lastly, just out of this passage, it means power. It says in this passage, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. Wouldn't you love to be there again? Uh, looking forward to when we get to heaven, you can have uh, you know, the, the retapes of seeing what went on in history. And, and around about that time, I think that's going to be my first uh, go-to. You know, what actually happened, the events. But there they were in the lot room. You imagine, you know, just for the stress, the fear, the anxiety, what happens when that happens to us? Back pains, neck pains, stomach aches. You know, we feel absolutely rubbish. And Jesus just coming in with his peace, it all just subsiding. He did many miraculous signs in their presence. And he wants to do the same with us. I know we're on a journey of learning what this healing is all about. But one thing I know from experience, the more that we talk about it, the more that we celebrate it, the more that we press in for the healing signs and wonders. If you like, the curve goes up. There is a lot of mystery around it. I don't understand why sometimes you can pray for someone and you don't even feel you've got a great seed of faith inside you and they're healed. Then the next time you can have, just you feel like oodles of faith in you, I'm, you're going after it and nothing seems to happen. I don't understand those paradoxes. It's part of life and faith. But I do know the more that we press in, the more that we'll see these miraculous signs in our midst. And this is the life that Jesus has for us in his name. His peace, his calling, forgiveness, blessing, and power. But you know there's a key to it. And the disciples had to take hold of this key as much as we do. And the key is receiving the Holy Spirit. But we're not going to get any of that stuff unless we're willing to open our hearts and receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Said it many times. You know the Holy Spirit is more real than the air we breathe. The risen Jesus is more real than any of the walls we can build around us, physical or not. The Father's love is more real than any of the, mo the emotions that we can bottle up and think that we can hide from Him. And He's offering us this life in His name. And He's waiting for us to receive and to live. I like opening presents. Anyone else here? Like to open presents? <laughs> okay. Um, when you're given a gift, how many here are tearers? 
You like to chair it, yeah? How many of you here, and I guess it's a higher number, very carefully undo the sellotape because we've got to save the paper? Anyone? Yeah, I think there are a few more. I used to be a tear-up and then married to Heather, I've learned to be <laughs> so, very carefully that undoes the sellotape so you can save the gift. But you know, there's something about it. If someone gives you a gift, what have you got to do? I didn't hear that. You've got to receive it and open it. I mean, I'll pass you a gift and put it down and you just look at it and walk away. That's not the purpose, is it? You know, when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, the Greek word is lambano. And the word means to take hold of, as if you're taking hold of a gift. To seize, as if you're treasuring something that's so valuable. A child is running close to the road and you literally seize them and take hold of them. You bring them into, if you like, your heart. You take hold of it. You seize it. You grasp it. It draws near. Jesus was saying to his friends, receive the Holy Spirit. Like that. And he's saying to us, take hold of the Holy Spirit. Receive him day by day. Let him come and fill your heart. Fill you to overflowing. Because as you do that, you will have life in my name. Peace will be overflowing. You'll know the calling to which I've called you. Forgiveness will be something that step by step you'll be able to do as you release forgiveness and receive it. You'll know the blessings of life that I have for you. And the power of God will work in and through it. Let's stand together. Life in his name. Can I ask the band to join me? Thank you. Anyone here want more of the Holy Spirit? I can't do this for you. You can't do it for me. A little trick that I was taught, and I saw it modeled so wonderfully, especially with friends and catch a fire and you know, movements like that that treasure the presence of God, is if we offer a little physical sign of wanting. God loves to see that and he honors it. So my way of receiving the Holy Spirit, whether I'm in my study at home, my little prayer tent that I've got up, or wherever it is, is hands out. Holy Spirit, as you come, to him. Holy Spirit, I welcome you in this place. Would you come and fill every single person here in this room. Every single person whose heart is turned towards come, Holy Spirit, just come. Release your anointing. You know what we need. So Father, for those that need your peace, would you bring your peace right now to overflowing? 
for those of us who are unsure about our calling, our lives, what you have for us. Father, would you release that word of calling upon us right now? Father, for those of us who are struggling to forgive because of what has happened, you know the pain. And Jesus, you die for the very reason that we might receive that gift of forgiveness, but also be able to release it. And so I ask for every person that is holding on to unforgiveness, that you would come, Holy Spirit, and I just encourage you right now, just release that gift. Just say quietly to yourself, this person or this situation, I forgive you for what you've done. You're not condoning what they've done. You're just breaking the hook off you right now in Jesus' name. I forgive you for the way that you treated or spoken over me. I forgive you for the way that you portrayed or let me down. I forgive you for the way that you have broken promise. Whatever it is, just give it to Jesus. Allow his power to come as if he's standing right in front of you right now. And he is. He's here by the Holy Spirit, just looking at you, breathing peace upon you. Give him that forgiveness, that unforgiveness. Just say, I don't want to hold on to it anymore, Jesus. I let go of it in Jesus' name. I give it to you. I lay it at the foot of the cross. And I thank you for freedom. But at the foot of the cross, you die for me that I might live and live with you. And for those of us who just want a special touch of blessing, as a sense, maybe whether it's a work situation or a family situation, that you just need God's blessing at this time. Jesus, would you release the blessing? Thank you. Would you release that gift of blessing right now? And for your power to come. And I, just for everyone, just let his power come. Let the power of God come. Let the power of God come and move. He wants to work in and through you for his glory. Let his power come in the name of Jesus. Let him come. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you are doing and that you, what you will continue to do in your precious name.